Praise the Lord, blessed listeners. This is Repentance USA at Blog Talk Radio. And I'm your host, Pastor Tresor, from the Maryland Altar here in the United States of America. And here in the States, we are led by Archbishop Louis Lupo, and we are all under the direction of the mightiest prophet of the Lord in the ministry of repentance and holiness. Today's message opens up a series called The State of the Church, where we have the mightiest prophet, the two witnesses from Revelation 11, address the state of the church globally and what is needed to bring the church back into repentance to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. Without further delay, we'll get straight into the message. Dr. Award, I know you have been sent by God, and God has given you a message uh, for us, or for the church. And today, viewers, we want to talk about the state of the church globally. And so, I would like uh, I'll, I'll ask you uh, some things and you'll be explaining to the viewers because sort of we are confused in a way or another. What is the state of the church today and what is God saying to the church? Hallelujah. What a mighty blessing, Reverend Amos Wandera, that you can uh, invite me into this very mighty program. This is a very pivotal program. In fact, this program comes at uh, a very critical time, even in the life of the church. And before I answer your question, I want you to know that the question you are asking, in fact, it ought to be the question that the church should have asked even much earlier. Well, looking at the state of the church vis-a-vis what the Lord is saying and has continued to say, the church and speak with me about, we see a state of desperation. In fact, up to a point that you can also call it a desolation in the house of the Lord. Well, the church as she is now, ever since the Lord sent me to speak to the church, the church has won. She has, uh, she has picked up certain identity markers. Uh, certain things that are contrary to her initial commissioning, to her initial identity that our Lord Jesus gave her. And I'm going to be explaining to you exactly what the point of departure is, the point at which she departed from the calling of the Lord. Reverend Wandera, the question you've asked is indeed a very deep question that brings sadness into the heart of God. I'll begin at this place when the Lord was calling me and at that time I can remember he was showing me a lot of visions about the church, the church of Christ in the United States of America. He also spoke with me about the church of Christ in Europe and also the Church of Christ in Africa, Asia, and many other continents, all the continents of the earth. And there is one thing that I can actually say is the common denominator of the conversation with the church across the globe. The common bottom line was 
the fall in the church. I remember very well, even in the beginning, as the Lord was sending me to the church and sending me to different meetings, let's say in one town, he sent me to a specific church to speak the word there. And in that way, the word would reach the different churches in that town, even by his spirit and the dialoguing of the pastors after I had spoken with them. But I remember at that time, I went back to the Lord and asked him, I asked him, Lord, why is it that everything you're showing me is the things that are not good? In the beginning, in the Genesis, when the Lord was calling me, I could see that he was highlighting that which was not right in the church. And then later on, as I went on in the calling and began to align these things with the scripture, is when I was able to understand that actually the Lord was speaking to me about the state of his heart, the state of his feelings regarding the church. Well, in many occasions, when the Lord is sending me to the church, let's say to the Church of Christ in Africa, the first thing he would show me was the sexual sin that had now been more or less acceptable in the house of the Lord. And he would show me these things such as the night vigils that were taking place in the church when people come together in the church to maintain a whole night of prayer and vigil which actually is a very good thing to do and then for example in some continents like in Africa and in some other countries too I saw lunch hour prayer meetings I had never seen anything of that nature in my life that people would go to church all the seven days of the week and even when they are at work during lunch hour they go for a lunch hour service to me that was revival I thought that was revival in fact I started sending messages across the globe to the places I'd been to telling them you won't believe what I'm seeing here I'm seeing people leaving office running to a lunch hour service and then at 2 o'clock back to the office and then in the evening they went for what they call the evening glory before they went home. In the morning they started the day by going to the morning glory before they went to the office. So to me that was a very big revival that the Holy Spirit was stirring up in these countries. But what astonished me most was when the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, in these very mighty and tremendous visions and dreams, and even at times by voice, began to speak with me about the defilements that had befallen these churches. 
And very slowly, even as I started going to those churches to visit and see what was happening in there, in the morning glory, the lunch hour services, in uh, the evening glory, one thing became very apparent, that these places had actually been spurred up. They had been instigated. They had been set up with one and one objective to gather money. So they became actually business enterprises for wealth accumulation by the pastors. So that which I saw as appearing like revival was essentially not revival. And I think that is really what shocked me. And now you have asked it at such a time when I've just released a message on the state of the temple of the Lord. Reverend, there is no better time at which you would have asked such an important question to me other than now. I can see the leading of the Holy Spirit even in having you ask this question. Because I've just released a print which has gone out in the Christian newspaper and also to some of the radios and also some recordings for video production and TV programming on the house of the Lord. Now I'm going to walk you very carefully into the state of the mind of God regarding the church and at the end of which you're going to be completely validated and updated on the true state of the church and even it will bring up a challenge into your soul, into your spirit as to how much work there is for the church to accomplish that which the Lord set out for her. I want to begin specifically with the mighty conversation of the Lord. The conversation the Lord had with me on the 20th of November, the year 2007, when the Lord, He spoke with me about the state of the church. And in that tremendous vision of the Lord, I went to sleep at night, and then I saw the vision of the Lord. In that vision, all of a sudden, I was walking on a road. And as I walked on that road, I very quickly realized that the presence of the Lord was walking with me. And I was aware, I was made aware that he was on my right hand side, though I could not see him. And as we walked down this road, the voice of the Lord began to speak, coming from my right hand side. And the voice of the Lord was helping me even as I walked on this road, and he was showing me the rocks, the pebbles, and the things that I would have stumbled on and caused me to tumble over, to fall. So he was telling me to avoid them. And I continued doing this. 
Reverend Amos. Up to a point, and it was so amazing how comfortable it is to walk within the presence of the Lord. But as we walked on, we reached a point where there was a junction. And one part of the road split and turned left, while the other one went right. And then the voice of the Lord asked me to take the one that turned right. And as we went right, I realized that this one now that I took, that was going right, was slightly safer than the one we left which was going left. The Lord made me aware that the one going left, some people, I still see them even now, I see that vision even now. I see some people lying across the road on the one that was going left. They had been devoured. They had been attacked. And that creature, I think, looked like a beast. It looked like a wild dog or something like that. But the one we took that veered right, it was safe. Though there were these stones that he still told me to avoid as we walked on. But the only thing that was bothering to me was the fact that it was a little bit more winding than the road that went left. And it was winding with turns such that I could not see what lay ahead as we walked. That's the only concern I seem to have gathered. But the voice of the Lord created a sense of comfort. Even as I continued, I walked on, but I had a deep sense of comfort because he essentially was leading me and he flooded me with a sense of comfort and protection even though I could not see what lay ahead. Up to a point then when that road now it veered right and more right and right and then the voice of the Lord said look and see the house of the Lord. So, Reverend Amos, when I lifted my head in that vision of the Lord, I saw the house of the Lord. And what I saw was this golden dome, the mighty golden dome that was on top of the house of the Lord. And on the golden dome, the the, the, the contact between the golden dome and the roof of the house of the Lord had been ravaged. Only three scaffold remnant metals were now left as supporting the golden dome above the roof of the house of the Lord. And as I looked, I could see a state of abandonment from a distance still as the Lord asked me to look and see. A state of abandonment that had befallen the house of the Lord. And these three vertical metals, pieces of metal, they were scaffold and remnant. They held the dome in position while the roof of the house then maintained that support that supported uh, the golden dome. What was amazing to me even to another level, was the fact that uh, then the voice of the Lord spoke 
and he said, Let us enter into the house of the Lord. At that point, immediately, I was able now to see a double-arched door that was ahead of me that led into the temple of the Lord. But before then, I realized that heaven opened and I saw a massive cloud of the glory of the Lord that came down from heaven and came and settled on the dome. Settled on the dome that was now sitting on the roof of the house of the Lord. Well, we entered. I entered even as the Lord, the glory of the Lord also entered into the house of the Lord. But at the point at which I entered, then I realized the voice of the Lord was now coming from the altar area. And then the Lord, he said, look, this is the house of the Lord. And for me to see, I had to turn my head left. So again, until now, I don't know whether I was in the spirit or I was in both the spirit and the body. So I turned left and saw millions and millions of chairs in the house of the Lord. And the chairs I saw, they were very black chairs. And they had some arm rests where you would rest your arm. But then after that, I realized very quickly that the millions of chairs I was looking at in the house of the Lord were virtually empty. There was nobody, literally nobody sitting in the house of the Lord. And in the process of looking at them, then some grass began to grow between the chairs. Hallelujah. And even as that happened, I, I was very stunned, I was very astonished at the grass that was now growing in the house of the Lord. It grew up to a point where I could not cover the seats. I could not now not see the seats. And then finally, the voice of the Lord, again coming from the altar area, he said, they used to worship here, but not anymore. And then he said, God tells these people to repent and prepare for the coming of the Lord. Then at that point, I woke up. Amen, blessed listeners. Today I would like to expand on the message you just heard and especially to open up a little bit for you for those who are not aware or this is your first time hearing this message or you're interested in this ministry or you're really concerned about your state, about where you stand with the Lord concerning His return. So this message you just heard is an older message that still has relevance today concerning the state of the church, the body of believers of Christ globally. As you can hear, the certain things that have led to this deplorable state that you see throughout the world have originated in this country that we call America. The history of this country is that it started as a Christian nation, but now if you step outside, it looks like the opposite. So the state of the church has been this way for quite some time now. For those of you who know, 
what holiness actually used to look like in America. You can see of how ransacked the church has got in terms of holiness, in terms of actually preparing for the coming of the Messiah, where now we're preaching about other things. The vision he gave, the vision they gave, the two witnesses about the state of the church talks about how what we do today in our leading as pastors, as members of the priesthood, as leaders of this nation has consequences that are eternal. The consequences being that when we change the gospel of the blood and the cross, it leads to corruption in the entire world that starts from the church. The reason you see what is going on in the house of the Lord, it's because the scriptures foretold such days because these signs are meant to point you towards the coming of the Messiah. So when you see the state of the church where there's sexual sin, pastors lusting at women while they're ministering, pastors sleeping with husbands, sleeping with wives, when there's abortions in the worship team, and the list goes on, when they're preaching money, about sowing a seed, bringing motivational speakers to talk about how God wants you to be successful on earth. These are all signs about the last days that we live in to point us into preparing for the coming of the Messiah. That is the main reason why the Lord sent his prophet, sent his prophets, prophets, excuse me. So to introduce who they are, I would like to open up the Bible here for those of you, those of you who are actually looking for the truth because you're tired of being lied to, you're tired of coming out of church empty-handed or feeling empty, where you go into church because you want to see the Lord, but the Lord is actually kicked out of his own house, so it doesn't even make sense for you to go to church. Today I'm speaking to those of you who have stopped going to church and decided that they'll just read their Bible by themselves instead on Sundays, because the church has left them feeling depressed and sad about their Christianity, about their salvation, and about their lives, where preparation is no longer a necessity. So to open up, I want to turn to Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and on. So in the Bible, the book of Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, right before the New Testament. So Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. We can start off at verse 1 to give you more of a understanding about what this is all about, what true Christian salvation actually means. And true Christian salvation is for us to prepare in righteousness and holiness and to turn away from sin completely and deliberately 
and walk under the blood of Jesus. So Malachi chapter 4 verse 1 says, The coming day of judgment. I'm reading out of New Living Translation. The Lord of Heaven's army says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day the arrogant and the wicked will be burnt up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches and all. But for you who fear the name, excuse me, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like cows let out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now the target scripture is in verse 5. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I'll come and strike the land with a curse. So the voice you just heard in the message is the prophet Elijah that the Lord promised to send. Now, for those of you who are skeptical, if it is the prophet Elijah, you can look up on YouTube for yourself. The mightiest prophet calls down rain. The mightiest prophet calls down fire. The mightiest prophet resurrects a dead person. And all these stripes that I'm stating are actually all the stripes of Elijah that you see in 1 Kings, you know, where he calls down fire on Mount Carmel, where he calls for rain to open, for, excuse me, for the heavens to open and for the heavens to close, and where he resurrects a dead person. There's many more things that the prophet Elijah today has done to signify that this is he, the messenger that the Lord has sent to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. So it there's leads to a call of repentance globally and a call of repentance nationally, starting in America, for the very reason that we have led the world astray in the gospel of prosperity, the gospel of the flesh, the gospel of the stomach, the gospel of Satan in the church having his way, where you look at the state of the church and it looks like the devil is winning. For the main reason is that we've turned away from the Lord and we've preached to the flesh and we do it all for the sake of money. I myself as a pastor repent on behalf of the priesthood because of this false doctrine that seems like a quick get-rich scheme has led millions if not billions to hell so the church in America needs to repent we need to observe a national day of repentance or else the Lord will judge us even more He's already judged us with the hurricanes that you've seen, starting from Katrina, which was prophesied by the Elijah that I'm speaking about today that you just heard. We've been judged for the sexual sin in the land. We've been judged for the corruption, for the falsehood, for the love of money, 
for the love of violence, for the shedding of innocent blood. And we have led the Lord into his anger to strike us with judgment. And we have looming judgment over us. That's why we all need to repent and we need to host national repentance or else the Lord will kill all of us. Just like he did in the days of Noah, where he destroyed the whole earth, he will do it again. So those of you who are interested in what this ministry is actually about or want to learn more, there's Repentance USA for the Americans, listeners who are listening, Repentance USA at YouTube, Repentance USA at Twitter, Repentance USA Blog Talk Radio that you're listening to right now. And we have Repentance USA, the main website, which is actually highwayofholiness.us, where you can see the list of judgment for America. There's 66 pages, excuse me, actually 80 something pages of judgment from the Lord concerning America because of the state of the church. In closing today, I thank you all for your time for listening to Repentance USA at Blog Talk Radio, preparing you for the coming of the Messiah. I'm your host, Pastor Trey Sword, and if the Lord tarries, we will meet again. The Lord bless you all. Shalom, shalom.